uh, I got a new PC set up, so hopefully my mic and everything is good. Yeah, well, I think you've got the better sound tonight. I'm uh, working off a headset. Ooh, fancy. I'm using the Man of War. Ah, lovely. Yeah, yeah no, nothing so fancy. This is just a little Plantronics unit I had kicking around. But it's what I've got for tonight, so we're going to go How is your uh, How's your cluttered basement? Um, somewhat less cluttered now. Although nice. the uh, couch is still covered in a fort. <laughs> um, I got the links for all my resources. I just sent those to you. I saw them. I saw them. So that's good. What do you think? Well, I haven't had a chance to read them yet. But I saw oh, okay. Them, but anyway. Okay, cool. Uh, so let's have a look here. Ah, yes, good. So... Is it just going to be me and you and Scott or Colin? Uh, just you and me, actually. Couldn't get okay. tonight, so that's all right. All right. Anyway. Man, it's been a while. It has been a while. And I think uh, July, I think, was the last time I was on. That sounds about right. Yeah. So, and uh, something I, that I maybe want to start out with is I had, um, I saw a couple of comments here and there. I mean, just throughout you know, like the past six or eight months that were kind of people were asking about like the ranks of uh, scouts BSA. Yes. Although before um, we get into that, before we get into that quick introduction. So okay. uh, you've got two of us tonight. Scott or Ken. Hello. Using far less than ideal tech and using much better tech. Um, Parker. Parker is back. Hello. Hey, how's it going? There we go. So you had something you wanted to say. Comments. Right? Yes. Um, a couple of uh, comments that I've uh, noticed in our little comment section is a couple of people have asked, what are the what are the ranks of uh, Scouts BSA? Um, so I guess I'll start out with the Cubs side and I'll kind of move my way back into the, uh, the Scouts side. Sounds good. So before you can actually even join the Cub Scouts, you actually have to acquire the Bobcat badge. Um, basically, the Bobcat badge is kind of very simple, you know, getting the Scout Oath and Law and a couple of things like that. And it's not really. And once you get that, then you can uh, then you can start getting your rank badge, which is actually based on your youth age. So to start it out, um, I do need to mention that we used to have a lion rank which was our kindergarten but we don't have that anymore so we just basically start out with first grade which is going to be your tiger cubs then your second grade is going to be your wolf cubs um third grade is bear fourth and fifth grade is weeblos and as you get into the fifth grade side we have what is called the arrow of light which is just basically a ceremony for the fifth graders or the senior weeblos to go on to the scouts Right. Um, and so then, obviously, your 12 and 13-year-olds or your sixth grade will be Tenderfoot, which is the first official rank of the Scouts BSA. Then you move on to your second class, which is your seventh grade. And uh, first class is going to be your eighth grade. And I do need to mention that once you complete eighth grade, you can actually do Venture Scouts, which is a separate program that starts after eighth grade and you can do it till you're about 21. So it's kind of almost in comparison to the rovers, but not obviously 
as extensive. Yeah, and I think we've talked about that in some previous episodes too, where you know we've kind of looked at the where the programs overlap and where they don't, yeah. because there are some similarities and then also uh, some notable differences as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. It used to be the case and, for BSA yeah. that Venture Scouts was like the only co-ed section, but that has, of course, especially this year, just now, changed. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, I guess it's all for the better. It's finally nice to see that you know we can all kind of come together and be one group. Yeah. So well, after almost. yeah, <laughs> almost we're we're getting there. Um. So after your first class, which is your eighth grade, um, you get into the star, which is your ninth grade, and your once you hit 17, that's what we call the life rank. And about 80% of everybody will just get to life because Eagle is actually something you obtain before you hit 18. So you have like your Eagle project and you do a lot of bunch of requirements for that. So usually life is going to be your last rank unless you go for the Eagle. Life for life. Yep. All and right. And I guess it's complicated oh, a little bit too by the fact that you can hit you hit life rank, but then you can't hit yeah. Eagle too soon. You can't hit it too no. late, but you also can't hit yeah. it too soon. And I think they give you I mean, if you're kind of on that edge and you're kind of finishing up, they may grant you like maybe a month or two to get it done, but after that it's just you either got it or you don't got it. Yep. Hey, Indiana Jones was a life scout, so that's <laughs> perfectly fine. Yeah, that's great. Um, I believe our topic of the day was packing list. Yes, this was when you proposed a while ago. And, uh, you know, we've kind of just been saving it until we had a chance to get you on the podcast again, which yeah. now we have. So, yay, win. Um, <laughs> but yes, packing lists, because invariably when you're, and I mean, like, this is something that's particularly relevant to me as a troop leader, um, because, you know, especially when we have, you know, new youth, youth who are new to the program, you know, like if I tell my kids to go and grab what they need for a two night overnight trip of some kind, like we just did Funorama, the Funorama camp. If I, if I go and tell them to grab what they need, they can more or less grab 80 to 85% of what they need. I mean, I'll still double check, make sure that there's stuff that they've got. And sometimes they'll, you know, miss a key thing. But in general, I can trust that, you know, like now they've been in the program a few years. I can tell them to go grab stuff. They'll go grab stuff and they'll grab almost everything of what they need. But if I have new youth in my beaver colonies or in my compact, they don't necessarily know what they might need to take mm -hmm. on even an overnight trip. And so that's where the packing list comes in. And for those youth who are more mature, who've been in the program longer, the packing list is still a good double check, right? Because you know what? Sometimes you just forget things. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's just a useful thing to have to maintain for yourself. And uh, so I think what I wanted to do initially was just sort of compare and contrast some ideas around the packing list. And then if we have time for it, sort of get into modifiers. Because, I mean, obviously, I can give out a generalized packing list. But like right now, it's minus 30 outside. So mm -hmm. <laughs> what, what sort of changes does that mean for the packing list? Yeah. And also... I ha kind of had a neat idea for a packing list, but I'll we'll kind of go through our comparisons and I'll let you know. Sure thing. So we'll make sure all these links end up in the show notes, of course. Uh, you have, let's see. So we, we've got here, this looks like it's from scouting.org. Yep. It is the individual campout checklist for pack overnighter. 
Yep. So this would be focused roughly on the uh, cub level then. Yep. Okay. So let's see. Uh, and it's got a little header at the top. Our pack is connecting an overnighter on the date at the location. We will meet here at time. We will conclude at time on date. Tents will be furnished. Cooking equipment will be furnished. Only little check boxes. But the actual, and it notes here, a full Cub Scout uniform is required for the overnighter. And that's always an interesting discussion to have. There's actually this persistent myth. I don't know if this obtains on the BSA side, but in Scouts Canada, there's this persistent myth that you, like, have to, when you're traveling to a camp, be in your scouting uniform or else you're not covered by scouting insurance. And that's actually not true. Um, but it's this very persistent myth that a lot of people maintain. And I, anyways, I'm bothered by it. But there it is. Yeah. That said, it is still good to bring your uniform on a camp because yeah. whether it's a campfire or a scout's own, there's usually some ceremonial location that will form a part of the camp. And it's good to be in full uniform for that. Mm hmm. Anyways, and yeah, uh, yeah, this is a pretty decent list. Um, the uh, the reason I chose this list is one my dad actually made that when he was a cub master. Oh, awesome! And so what he did was he wanted to kind of put it as extensive as he could, but not make it you know kind of almost general purpose, so that if you needed to fill in something else, you could. Right. This was just That's his idea of really what you should ever use in any sort of camping or overnight sort of situation. Indeed. And he's got pretty much everything. Like he starts with camping equipment, right? So you've got your tent or tarp, poles and stakes, waterproof ground cloth or plastic sheet, sleeping bag, pillow, air mattress or pad, your toilet, or sorry, your mess kit, cup, bowl, plate, knife, fork, spoon, mesh bag, and a clothesline to hang that all from. Um, yeah. Your clothing bag. So there's your Cub Scout uniform again, a poncho or a raincoat, warm jacket or coat, pajamas or sweatshirt, sweatpants. Underwear, durable shoes, shoelaces, extra shoelaces, always good. I break shoelaces so often on my work. It's scary. <laughs> and hat or cap, gloves, extra socks. I like this list already. Shoes, other extra clothing. That's one thing I always say, bring extra socks. Um, yeah. Lawn chairs, cooler or ice chest, cot or pad. Cooking equipment as outlined by the pack overnight coordinator. Your toiletries kit, toothpaste, toothbrush, comb, washcloth, towel. Soap in a container, toilet paper, extra plastic bag or container, first aid kit, water bottle, light bulb, or a flashlight, extra bulbs, extra batteries, sunscreen, insect repellent, whistle, safety pins, camera, binoculars, sunglasses, notebook, pencil, nature books, optionally, swimsuit and towel, fishing gear, work gloves. That is a very exhaustive list. Yeah, <laughs> but it gets everything, it, it, but it puts everything to where you, if you need it, you have it, you know what I mean? Like yep. you're not going to be underprepared. Yeah. Um, one thing I will mention, um, something that I've learned through camping, especially, is you want to, if you can, try and get wool socks because, you know, you'll, you know, well, obviously while you're hiking, you might get something, you might get a couple uh, thorns or something like that that might get caught in your sock. And as it's a very unpleasant feeling, yeah. um, or even double upper socks. I mean, two well, pairs of socks can't hurt you. It depends, right? Like, I've yeah. actually noticed. Um, and that gets back to the discussion of cold weather. Like I've noticed in the past, I've tried to like double up my socks when it's been really cold outside. And I've actually found that that has sometimes worked against me when I don't leave enough space inside my boot for a thin layer of air between my um... foot and the shell of the boot. I find my feet actually get colder if 
I just stuff my boot full of sock and don't leave any space for the air because air is actually a really wonderful insulator. So um, sometimes doubling up on socks can be a very good thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it can really work against you and um, you're just going to have to get to know your boots and get to know your footwear and your feet well enough to know when one of those is going to be true and not the other. Um, yeah. You know, it's and really also, something that only experience can teach. Yeah. And also, you know, if you get, if you get that in water, it just, it's basically like a sponge. Yes. And well, I trying to get that in general is yeah. bad to wear. If you're going to be getting any kind of wet, you know, if you can wear a synthetic fiber, then great. Yeah. Um, I have lots of wicking shirts that I wear under just about anything when I'm on a scouting activity. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah, wool, if you can wear wool, I mean, some people are allergic, but, Ooh, yeah, that's right. um, but cotton being a plant-based material will happily absorb water as plants mm-hmm. do. And that is bad, <laughs> yeah. especially if you're trying to stay warm or dry. It's just, bad. yeah. Um, and very, and so that's kind of the yeah. general packing list that I have brought out. Um, also the second link that I provided is for the kind of like warm camping experience. Like right. if you're in a warm climate, right? So um, warm weather outing. Yeah. What do we got here? Let's see. So yeah, t-shirt, short sleeve shirts, hiking shorts, again, the underwear, again, the socks, long sleeve shirt and pants are still on the list because if you know warm climates, you know that sometimes they can get quite cool overnight before heating back up during the day. Not just desert. Um, again, the sweater, the warm jacket, brimmed hat. And it's the brim that's really important. I mean, you know, a baseball cap is not sufficient here. <laughs> no. Um, that said, in the absence of a brimmed hat, the bandana, also on the checklist here, will do something for you because you need to protect the tops of your ears, right? Well, actually, mm-hmm. you need to protect all your ears, but especially the tops of your ears. Rain gear. Extra underwear, um, blister kit, paracord, water, rain suit, boots, and I, that fits. And I do want to emphasize water. You know, you yeah. got to keep hydrated, especially in warm climates. I mean, you're going to get dehydrated so quick unless you're kind of on top of it. Yep. So just to have, just to be fully hydrated is going to just make your camping experience just that much better. Yep. And I mean, that that's, you know, that's actually true in the cold too. Um, yeah. If you're going to be going out into really frigidly cold weather, it's still important to stay hydrated. Um, and of mm-hmm. course, the trick then is keeping the water not ice. Um, but it is still important to stay hydrated because moving around in the cold weather um, is also a significant exertion on your body. It's a different kind of exertion from moving around in hot weather and doing activities in hot weather, but it is still a significant exertion and your body will deplete water fairly quickly. Uh, in the cold. So still important to stay hydrated, even if you're going to be doing cold weather activities as well. Um, Mm -hmm. With again, the added challenge of then keeping your water on the liquid side of freezing. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, and like, like you say, these are both excellent lists and they really Mm -hmm. do cover the essentials off. Um, And I mean, like a lot of it just comes down to like, there's a lot of overlap between the lists and a lot of it really seems to come down to practicality <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. You, you need to cover your body the yeah. the parts of your body that are going to be um taking the brunt of the exertion you should pay even more attention to covering right so if you're going yeah. on a hike bring extra socks just bring extra socks anyways because <laughs> um, you never know when you're gonna need them 
really, you don't. You know, I mean, it takes a second for your foot to get wet accidentally. Um, yeah, if you're, especially if you're canoeing. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> canoeing, but even hiking, right? I mean, you step in the wrong puddle, yeah. and whoops, there goes yeah. that pair of socks. Um, yeah, and I should, I just should emphasize before we kind of go on the, these lists is that always look at the weather before you make your list. Yeah. Um, pay close attention to the weather. All right, and I, obviously, I, story. Yeah, go ahead. Just quick anecdote. Like, I mean, I this was not last beavery, but two beaveries ago, it just poured rain the whole time from Friday afternoon till Sunday morning. There was almost no respite except for a little bit on Saturday. There was like this bit on Saturday afternoon where it was not bad, but oh my gosh, we had, I mean, I was looking at the forecast. I was looking at the forecast the whole time and the whole time, um, there was that, you know, Oh, even a week out, and it didn't change for that entire week leading up to Beaveree. Rain was called for for the area on the weekend. So, you know, I made sure my group was warned about this. We showed up. We had rain gear and all the rest. Uh, most of us. Some of our youth did not show up with rain gear. Oof. They did not stay very long. Some now, groups didn't show up with rain gear. They did oof. not stay very long. <laughs> And so, did, like, how did yeah. you miss this? Like, we tried to warn you, but do you not, like, check the weather? <laughs> <laughs> it's just such an easy thing to do. And also, I guess, apparently, it's a very easy thing to overlook. I guess. I mean, I guess maybe it's just, you know, the weather widget is on my phone. And un- yeah. unfortunately, you know, maybe that works against us. Because while it does make it easy to always have the weather at our fingertips, it also makes it easy to just filter it out and be just like, oh yeah, that's just a thing on my phone. I don't really pay attention to it. Now, just a quick question. Were you guys on the beaver Were you guys in cabins or were you like tent, going out man, with tent? tents? Oh man. Old school. Oh, <laughs> I mean, this was June. So it wasn't like oh, okay. frigid, but it wasn't yeah. pleasant. And like, yeah. by the end of camp, like things were pretty sopping wet. Things were pretty much waterlogged and muddy. Yeah. Um, we did have a few trailers. Like we had Ooh, a few okay. trailers that had been brought out um, because like beaver scouts, this is five, six and seven year olds. So, you know, some yeah. of the parents had brought like an RV or whatever else. And this actually worked to our advantage because in addition to giving us some windscreens, large good windscreens. Oh yeah. Did I mention there was terrible wind that blew half the camp down? Uh, really? <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Awful. It was just, uh, the first night there was awful uh, for weather, but um so in addition to having these windscreens, we also, um, we did have, and we made use of the RVs and the trailers as just like yeah. a retreat for the kids. You know, it's like yeah. a little bit too cold. So they got a little bit too wet for whatever reason. Um, go inside, dry off, have some hot chocolate. When you feel better, come on back out and let's get back to the activities. Yeah. But still, you know, being prepared so for I guess some, is challenging. <laughs> yeah. So I guess some moral of the story is, that you never know what Mother Nature is going to throw at you. And also, you know, being prepared is key. Yeah. And uh, I just had one other comment I was going to throw out there. Um, and I just just blanked on it. All right. Um, I guess let's, do you want to go over to the cold weather? Yeah. Or is there well, something else you want to finish with warm? Um, not really. Like, I, I think the only other thought that I had on the packing list is, and keep it, uh, 
it just sort of a general observation because like the packing list you've given are like they are exhaustive so they include yeah. things like the tents or the pots and pans and all the rest of that stuff and i mean obviously it's good to bring these things on camps but depending on how your group is organized and depending on how your group is equipped it's not necessarily going to fall on each individual cub scout or even scout to bring his or her own tent or own pots or even own stove right um yeah for some groups it may be the case right um mm -hmm. other groups will maintain their own inventory of uh, stoves and tents and all the rest. And unfortunately, we've heard plenty of stories coming out of the U.S. over the last few months of, you know, group trailers getting stolen and thousands of dollars worth of camping equipment going missing, which sucks. Yeah. But, like, you know, I know my group, we have a lockup and a trailer. Yeah. And uh, so we've got an inventory of tents. We've got an inventory of stoves. Um, now, that said, depending on the nature of the camp, we might, for, say, our scout-level youth, expect them to take gear from our inventory and then figure out a way to transport it themselves into Ooh. whatever camp they're going on, right? Nice. Yep. Um, but again, that's going to come down to, you know, the, the planning of the camp and how the scoutmasters or the, the scouters and the scouts, especially because the scouts are really supposed to be instrumental in the planning of such things, that that really depends on how they design and lay out the camp. Usually, yeah. if it's me taking out the Cub Scouts or the Beaver Scouts. Um, we don't necessarily have access to the trailer during the winter time, but we'll go to the trailer. We'll grab all the gear, and it'll just you know it'll be in one of the vehicles that goes down to wherever we're going to. Oh, that's pretty neat. Um, and I'm going to be honest. Yeah. So we don't actually. Uh, the last month, we actually camping has not really been a thing of ours because of the whole government shutdown. Oh, yeah. Um, so basically, like the trashes were full. It was basically any sort of campsite we went to was just an absolute disaster. Yeah. And it's gonna, I mean, like that's, that's. Oh, sorry. I mean, and that's kind of the unfortunate thing is, you know, because we want to go camping. Yep. But at the same time, it's just not in any sort of suitable way for us to go out there and make sure the kids are safe. And well, yeah, if you're going and, to the uh, to like a national park or to you know, yeah. like an official campsite, like, I mean, a lot, to be honest. A lot of the camping we do, if we're not doing it on scouting land or guiding yeah. land, because there's, mm -hmm. you know, within short driving distance of here, there's a guide camp, there's a scout camp, there's a couple of like not entirely fully supported scout camps. And just anyways, there's, there's a lot of places I can go that not that we have government shutdowns, we have no confidence votes, uh, yeah. but were we in the situation of having something like a government shutdown, there's plenty of places I could take the kid to yeah. still go and camp. Um, and Edmonton's a great like place. It is. It is. And also, like, we have a lot of what's called crown land, uh, the U.S. public land. Yeah. Um, where just, you know, um, <laughs> crown land's open, you know? Like, you can just hike into the middle of the forest and pitch your tent. Find a clearing. Um, and I'm assuming they have uh, trails and all that uh, stuff mapped out for you. Well, sometimes they're mapped out. Sometimes. Okay. Oh, I got some kind of message there. Whatever. Yeah, sometimes they're mapped out. Um, there's yeah. a really great place called Burtonsville Island. It's maybe uh, an hour's drive from where from Edmonton. 
And oh wow! It's uh, I think I've spoken about it on the podcast before, but it's just yeah. this little island on the side of the North Saskatchewan River, which is the river that eventually snakes its way through Edmonton. Oh wow! Um, and the last time I was there, you had to walk across a beaver dam to get onto it. Ooh! Just this massive beaver dam. So uh, did everyone make it? <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! <laughs> the beaver dam. The beaver dam had been there for years by that point, and it was truly a colossal structure to behold. Wow! Um, easily easily walkable but yeah so so i had a great kind of fun idea yep um for, as far as packing this go um i guess we'll find out if it's a good one or not <laughs> but this is gonna be uh, i kind of tailored this idea towards the scouts so somebody who's probably 12 or 13 so that'd be for can uh for the canada scouts it'd be about scouts ventures and even rovers Right. Uh, for BSA, it'd be kind of like your tenderfoot on. But my idea is that you assign one person to pack like a certain thing. So like maybe one guy will be the snack guy and he'll pack all the snacks <laughs> for the whole group. And then one guy will be the tent guy and kind of, you know, he kind of categorizes it that way. So you kind of have, so each scout has more responsibility for one thing. Yep. We've done that. Um, we did that especially at Venturers because Venturers was very much about organizing into roles and, and then discharging those roles effectively. Um, but yeah. you can do that at the scouting level too. I don't know if I can yeah. the Cub Scouts. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm assuming the snack guy would be the most popular guy out there. Yeah, but you know, the <laughs> snack guy almost has the hardest job because it's the snack guy who's going to have to work the hardest to make sure allergies are taken into consideration. Ooh. Yeah, I didn't think about that. And I mean, that's going to differ from troop to troop. But yeah. like, here's the short, off-the-top-of-my-head allergy list for my Cub Scout pack, okay? Yep. Grapes, raspberries, strawberries, watermelon, oranges, carrots, nuts, peanuts, shellfish. Peanuts are such a huge thing. Peanut, well, yes, although it's also easier now to find peanut-free stuff, and it's easier to find nut-free stuff, but yeah. stuff like grape, grape is a sweetener in so many things. Raisins Oof. would also, of yep. course, fall under that. Um, so, uh, you know, raspberry and strawberry present their own challenge. Like this, yeah. Once the allergy list gets more than a few entries long, the snack guy is going to have to really pay attention to everything that he yeah. or I guess she now is is looking at right because if you're going to get juice mm. well geez I can't get grape juice uh, I, can't I guess we're going orange yeah, I can't ah but I have an orange allergy so oh man we're going, yeah we're going it's, it's, yeah snack guy probably has the toughest job out there yeah but at the um, same time snack guy is much beloved so yeah it's kind of got the yin and yang effect <laughs> yeah but, all right uh, is that what else did you have on your end. Well, as far like as like say, a list. Well, I mean, like I have, so I put, and I'll make sure there's a PDF of this available, put a link in the show notes. But, um, so I put like my group's packing list. And again, like it talks about much the same thing, right? Um, have a backpack, duffel bag, have a day pack, bring along a plastic garbage bag. Actually, you know what's a really good laundry bag? A pillowcase. Pillowcases are excellent laundry bags. If I've never, that, myself. yeah. Oh, <laughs> experience? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I find them just so handy as laundry bags. Um, because then you can just throw them in the laundry too. You don't have to throw yeah. in a plastic bag. Um, a full uniform, bring some long pants, long sleeve sweater, or a tea, uh, long sleeve tee, bring some t-shirts, bring some shorts, underwear, socks, bring more socks. Um, yep. You know, Comfort item? 
Say which? Like a comfort item, something that you maybe bring from yeah. home, that kind of comfort item, uh, especially for the younger sections. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's like a stuffy or a little blanket. Picture of your family. Uh, picture of your family. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, we had a couple of occasions, actually, even at the Funorama camp where, you know, we had kids who were like, this was their first time soloing a camp without a parent there, right? And, oh, wow. That's a big um, deal. It is. It is. It's a big challenge. Um, but they both they both weathered it very, very well. But yeah, it's nice having that little comfort item, something that they can just kind yeah. of hold on to if they need to. Um, you know, obviously, we've talked about things like the mess kit. Oh, my gosh. The mess kit. Always, always the mess kit. If there's <laughs> one thing I can guarantee you someone on a camp is going to forget, it's the mess kit. Um, that's so important you know scout scout masters scouters you probably already know this by now but i'm going to say it anyways (laughs) remind your people to bring mess kits you know the plate the fork the spoon the the cup the mug the mug as distinct from the cup because if the cup is suited for cold beverages it's not suitable for hot chocolate (laughs) (laughs) i mean you could try but i hope you have your first aid kit on hand with all the burn cream and that's that actually brings a really funny story so we were camping when i was i was 17 during that time so i was a life scout and we're camping and my dad thought it was a good idea for everybody to get like an mre so like a meal ready to eat oh yeah and so basically we had hot chocolate but they had they gave us like this plastic fill bag okay and so my dad so one of the scouts one of my friends he thought it'd be a great idea to pour hot water into the plastic bag to put his hot cocoa in and it just went right (laughs) through the bag oh terrible oh i felt so bad but i'm like you know what man that was so worth it yeah yeah that's yeah yeah hot water boiling hot water plus some kinds of plastic can be disastrous. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've also made meals in a bag before where it's like, you know, you put your eggs and whatever else in a, yeah. in a plastic baggie and throw them in a pot of hot water. But yeah. it's the kind of bag that you're using, right? But yeah, plastic yeah. plus heat gets interesting fast. Yeah. Um, also matches. What do you think about that? Is that something that maybe the leader should be carrying? Um, that's, entirely or is it maybe... the age. that's entirely dependent yeah. on the age level, right? Uh, yeah. Like for a beaver scout, obviously no matches. No. I would probably say for most cub scouts, although a couple of my cub scouts are mature enough that I would trust them with matches. A couple mm-hmm. of my cub scouts are realistically mature enough that I would trust them with knives. But unfortunately, um, bylaw policy and procedure stipulates that I can't actually allow my cub scouts to bring knives on events. Um, they have to earn their knife permit, which is a scouting thing. Oh, so, wow. Yep. Um, but you know, equally then for scouts who have their knife permit and venturers and rovers, a knife, gosh, I mean, I carry my knife with me everywhere anyways. Like it, that's such a useful tool. Once you yeah, it's, learn how to use it safely, that's like the tool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one thing that I will actually add to my list is the, basically I have field guides that I bring with me. So one would might be like a night sky field guide. One might be like a nature field guide. It's just a book that I can kind of, yep. kind of cruise with. Um, and I recommend the night sky one because, you know, let, let's face it. Sometimes you might get lost and I mean, yeah, you have a compass, but you know, being able to kind of look out and be like, Oh, okay. So that looks like Polaris. That looks like our, looks like we're going North here. All right. It got yep. somewhat of my direction. Uh, no, just definitely. again, very useful, and it's also educational. It is. No, that that's an excellent ad. I should uh, and I, I should make a note to write that down. 
Um, and I will post links for my field guides in the description for you guys. Yes, please do that, because I think I might actually like to incorporate that into my standard kit. Um, another one yeah. that I have here on my list, and again, this is probably the most quintessentially Canadian thing to say, but even on the warm weather packing list, a two. Mm. Oh. Because you know what? Like we talked about earlier, sometimes, even when it's blisteringly hot during the day, it gets kind of cool at night. And it's just mm. nice to have something to throw over your ears to keep you warm while you're napping. Yeah. Um, I like sleeping with like a little bit of cold on my face, but I like yeah. when the top of my head and my ears are warm at the same time. <laughs> so um, I'm just trying to think here. Is there anything else that I really want to draw attention to? Oh, right. um, um, there's one thing that I'm thinking of on the top of my head that may or may not be useful. Mm? But for me, we've always used radios ah. or like a walkie-talkie. That's, yeah, I mean, you know what, like, so on my packing list, there's in big red text, no electronic devices permitted, including Game Boys, iPods, cell phones, etc. Yep. See that this was written kind of a little bit before uh, my tenure with the pack, because Game Boy, mm. what? Yeah. Yes, yo. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we do generally de-emphasize, like, we do generally say, you know, no electronic devices. Now, that said... Yeah. I have made some exemptions to that policy in the past. So, uh, like, one kid was trying to be a smart aleck, and he's just like, what if I brought a camera? And I know what he's thinking. He's just like, my iPhone has a camera. Oh. Like, you can bring a camera if it's just a camera. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like, I have so, cameras at home. My kids will bring yeah. them on camp sometimes. Yeah. Um, Walkie-talkies. Um, actually, I have a pair of flashlights that also have like AM FM radios built into them. Ooh, and that's pretty sweet. I let my kids bring those on the camps because honestly, these days, when are you going to see a nine-year-old get excited about an AM FM radio? Ooh, that's, that's tough. <laughs> that's, that's really tough. Um, and the reason I guess I wanted to quickly point out that the reason we do the walkie talkie thing is so basically how it works, how it worked in our troop was that, we had our patrol leaders and our senior patrol leader and obviously our scout master, they would all have the walkie talkie right. and they would all kind of be in groups. So that way, you know, maybe one group got lost, they'd have a walkie talkie and they could, you know, find out where they're at and where they're going and kind of find a way to get back together or just even to check in. Yep. I think especially if you're going to be covering any kind of range, then yeah. it's probably good to have some kind of intergroup communication that is mm -hmm. not dependent on a mobility network. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think the walkie-talkies would be an excellent ad for, again, depending on the kind of expedition. If you're all going to be yeah. together as one group, it's less of a concern. But if you're going to be yeah. up, yeah, it's not a bad idea at all. Yeah, because um, um, we went to Yellowstone, or I actually helped my dad with the Yellowstone trip. We were going there about three months ago. And if you've ever been to Yellowstone, it's big. It's not a small yeah. national park by any means. Uh, very easy to get lost. Um, we went over to the, we went all the way to see the geysers and old faithful. And so the thing is, is that's like a five mile length sort of like place. And right. it's just basically you're on the boardwalk and you're just kind of walking around and seeing what, seeing all of them go off and you, you can get lost there. I've, I've seen it happen. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm really glad I've had the walkie talkie. I'll say that for sure. Yeah. Well, it, it is, it's good to be able to like, you know, start yeah. to find ways to get back together with the rest of your group. Yeah. Um, now, what do you recommend for long distance camping? Well, like maybe you're going up for five days, maybe, which is kind of extreme camping. 
for long distance camping, that gets, I mean, I'm never going to take the Cub Scouts on a five day excursion. Oh, no way. So, but, um, for the longer distance camping, the <laughs> compactness is kind of the most important feature. Really. Yeah. Um, you know, you want to basically, as you start adding days past about two or three days, you really mm-hmm. have to start thinking about weight and you really have to start thinking about compactness, right? You really have to start. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, the, 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 the synthetic fibers, uh, oftentimes will come in handy, right? Because, you know, mm-hmm. those will be the shirts that you can bunch up really small and they're not very heavy. Um, but at the same times are going to perform better when they're wet versus, you know, other things. Um, that's also when you want to start looking at, like, I have a, uh, I have a, I have one foam, uh, not a foam mattress, an air mattress, which when it's all rolled up, um, yeah, could fit like inside the uh, the paper bag that your Whopper meal would come in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So at that point, you just you really have to start thinking about equipment that is compact. Yeah. Um, and uh, speaking of that, you know, don't forget your map or compass. Yes. Yes. And again, not dependent on mobility networks. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Um, some notes, too. Just a couple of other notes from my packing list. Um, because, of course, and again, this is quintessentially Canadian, although I gather most of the U.S. is currently suffering under the polar vortex as well. So this is probably yep. material to just about everybody in yep. North America right now. Uh, yep. Winter camps. Ooh, it is entirely fun. possible to go camping in the winter. But youth will want to bring a warm jacket rated for sub-zero, well, sub-zero Celsius temperatures. Um, oh, no, I guess sub-zero Fahrenheit too, but... Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, snow pants. Snow pants are important. Um, winter boots. You know, like my kids have Boggs is the brand name, and they're rated till minus 30. They're also... Yeah. Proof. And um, I actually recommend the hot hands, like that little like little packet that you can yeah, kind of slip pod. in. Yeah, that, that's one. Yeah. Yeah, and you can get them for boots too. You can get them for your toes. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, where was that when I was when I was camping? I know, right? Oh my gosh, um, a toque <laughs> or other warm covering for the ears on the top of the head. Yeah. Mittens or gloves. Bring an extra pair because one is going to get wet or soiled. I promise you. Yeah. Um, and I recommend the thick, I kind of almost recommend the thick gloves if you're kind of hiking a little bit. I don't really recommend like the really thin kind of like, you know, if you get water, get, get it wet, that's just going to be completely soaked. Well, it, I mean, in my experience, it helps to have both. Um, like the really thick gloves, well insulated are obviously, you know, like that will keep your hands warmer. And yep. mittens are generally superior to gloves because mittens, of course, keep your fingers together and then they can warm each yep. other up. Um, versus gloves, which separate your fingers into the yeah. individual chambers. Um, but do you recommend a filter? Uh, Bringing a filter for you. Hang on a minute. Let me just sorry finish up this thought. Um, but that said, um, I do usually travel with a thinner pair of work gloves. They're insulated still, so they're you know they're they're good till about minus eight minus 10 versus so like you know i wouldn't wear them for very long in minus 30 but equally if i have to manipulate something at minus 30 tie a rope or whatever um <laughs> i'd much rather have thin gloves on than no gloves you know so yeah 100 thin gloves serve their purpose but they yeah be the only part of your kit you know again yeah prepare for the weather um yeah 
And then a scarf or neck warmer, something to just cover that little gap between your jacket and, you know, uh, neck warmers are really good because you can also often pull them up over your face if you need to. Yeah. Or a turtleneck. Yeah. Or a turtleneck. Um, balaclavas are an option, I suppose. Anyway, yeah. you were saying something about filters. You mean like a water filter? Yeah. So like a water filter, maybe you bring with you. I don't know. Um, uh, I know. It depends. If you're going on a long excursion, then it can't, like if you're going on a long excursion where you're not going to be operating out of a single base camp. So like yeah. a long five day hike. Um, yep. Carrying five days worth of water is kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be basically <laughs> all your weight. Uh, yeah. So yes, in again, depending on what you're doing, uh, bringing yep. a filter could be a very good idea. Uh, now, something that we bring with us is fishing gear. Yeah. Which uh, I mean, that will depend on that that will depend on well around here it mostly depends on licenses <laughs> yeah that's true um that and we use it for our older scouts um mainly because and i mean all you really need is you just need some thread a hook maybe a little bait and you can just cast it out there you don't even need to have the whole rod itself yep um that's just always that's just something fun to bring out if you're on the long and you happen to stumble upon a river or a little lake yeah, um, don't necessarily also, make it your entire yeah. meal plan, but... <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't survive on that. But uh, one thing that I can't stress enough if you're hiking, please remember the insect repellent. Oh my gosh. Insect repellent is, and afterbite. Oh, such a lifesaver. Yep, definitely. Uh, uh, and again, like that goes towards being... I mean, a lot of this... All of this kind of comes back down to being prepared, right? You yeah. Know, especially if you're going to be hiking past wetland, yes, insect repellent yeah. all the way. Um, if you're going to be hiking outdoors in the summer, wear your sunscreen, SPF 45 or better. And uh, sunglasses. And sunglasses. And something to cover the top of your ears. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, preferably something that covers like a wide-brimmed hat, covers your whole head and the top of your ears. But if nothing yep. else, like a bandana works just as well in that capacity, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and you know what, generally speaking, in terms of all of these packing lists, one thing that I often tell my youth is, okay, so the packing list is kind of like the minimum. If yeah. you want to bring extra clothes on top, like an extra change of clothes on top of what the packing list recommends, um, unless you are like already at the edge of what your backpack can hold, because we're talking about a long excursion, that's probably mm -hmm. a good idea too, you know? Um, yep. You and know something that be is... <laughs> Go on. Oh, no, it's like, uh, I, one thing that I really want to urge on the youth is that it, these are really tools for, you know, knowing yourself and knowing what your needs are going to be, right? Um, mm. You know, it's like, I know me, for myself personally, I'm ludicrously hard on my socks. I bring extra socks like it's going out of style. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I'll probably bring, you know, one shirt for each day and then one shirt that I just sleep in for the whole time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. So, but yeah, I usually have almost, if I can get away with it, almost twice as many socks as days of the trip. <laughs> so I'm assuming you're never going to run out of socks on the trip. Uh, there have been times. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. I'm ludicrously hard on my socks. Man. Um, uh, notebook, pen, pencil, you know, just in case you maybe want to track your journey and, yeah, well, especially um, because some badges on, at least on our side, uh, and I'm pretty sure for the BSA too, uh, yep, some of the badges have a and achievements you can earn require you to keep logs of what you've done yep. at a camp. Yeah. And I guess with a notebook, pen and pencil, a watch, 
yeah. often a good it's, thing. Again, yeah, a lot, it, again, a lot of what I'm saying is, you know, I almost kind of, my dad would call this common sense packing. Yeah. That's what, that's what we called it around the camp. Common sense. How common is it? I don't know. Yeah. Right? yeah. But yeah, I and mean, that, a lot of it does come down to just um, understanding you and your troop. Yeah. Understanding yourself, understanding your troop, um, and understanding what you're going to be doing. You know, Ooh, yeah. And understanding, you know, what, what am I doing this weekend? Oh, yeah. Like I'm going yeah. to a camp canoeing, We're going to be going canoeing. Well, geez, what's likely to happen. I should probably prepare for mm. getting wet. <laughs> yeah. We actually had something, um, and this is story time again, but I was, I was a star scout and we were going canoeing. It was like our second day in camp and we were in Yosemite. And basically what happened was we were going to go, we went canoeing halfway through canoeing and started raining. Uh. And not only that, but look, you're surrounded by water. It's raining. I mean, the chances of you getting out, not soaked are zero pretty low. Yeah. <laughs> zero. And I just remember that I'm like, at least my socks made it. Yeah, <laughs> that was the only go. positive I could come out with that. <laughs> Yeah, at least I have a dry pair of socks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> towel, towel is often a good thing to bring. Oh, that's. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Yeah. So, I unfortunately am going to have to run. I have a group committee meeting tonight. Oh, fan, already fun. Already played for, but I'm also oh, wow. a few minutes away, so that's okay. We had fun. Yes, this was good. Good little chat. Uh, we will make sure all the packing list resources are available in the show notes and for download from the Scouting Stuff website or from. Boys Life, I think some of your links come from, or scouting.org. Wherever they're from, we will make sure they're available. Um, but, you know, I guess my exhortation to other scouters and scouts out there listening is, you know what? If your group doesn't already maintain, like, a packing list that um, that they can just give out to anyone who needs it on a moment's notice, that's a really good thing to lay down. That's one thing we have, is, like, I we have... In our group, we have like a shared document repository and there's a packing list right in there. So if anybody needs it, I can just be like, yep, it's right here. Here's the link. Go and print it and go back and revise it over time. You know, after every camp, sit down, be just like, okay, make the packing list part of your review. Okay. You know, yeah. it's like, hey, did we have everything we needed? No. What did we, what came up short? Oh, okay. Well, let's make sure that that gets added to the list. Um, mm -hmm. Start to keep notes on what people commonly forget. <coughs> Mess kits. Yeah. Um, and build that into your planning for future camps. You know? Yeah. Set up the reminder. Everybody bring your mess kit. Everybody bring in your <laughs> socks. Uh, That's fantastic. You know? Um, and, yeah. you know, over time, hopefully you're going to inculcate in, in your scouts and in their families um, what it takes to you know, go out and do well and thrive at a camp and come home happy. Well, and as always, of course, a big thank you to the folks at Scouting Radio for rebroadcasting Scouting Stuff episodes to their worldwide audience. If you're listening to us on Scouting Radio right now, um, please do let us know, reach out, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. And please also consider subscribing directly to the podcast so you can get our episodes delivered directly to your podcatcher of choice. You can get in touch with us by email, scoutingstuffpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a voice message at scoutingstuffpodcast.com. There's a little link. Just pop up the sidebar and you'll find it. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast, or on Facebook or Instagram at scoutingstuffpodcast. 
And of course, you can leave us a review on iTunes. All right. Well, good talking to you, Parker. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. This was great. And uh, we will have to have you on more sooner than um, next summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now you've got your new computer, so hopefully we can yeah, have happen on a more regular basis. Yep. All right. Well, take care and talk right. to you later. Bye. Bye-bye.